What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. It's been a big news week. Paulo Costa is out, Kelvin Gaslam is in, and Israel Adesanya spoke for the first time since losing to Jan Blahovich. I'll talk about all of that as well as the biggest storylines at 155. But first, let me start with this. Eddie Alvarez got asked about Conor McGregor and you know Eddie former opponent former champion of the world this is a guy to listen to he's got a, a history with Conor he follows Conor's career so he weighed in on he said Conor needs to harden as a man and Eddie went on to elaborate what his definition of that meaning was and in large part it had to do with Conor listening to a coach getting with the team and going through the process. I don't know if I would word it the same way as Eddie, but that doesn't make me right or Eddie wrong. I just don't know that I would word it the same way because we have a broad stroke term about discipline and sacrifice and hard work. And I can tell you, having been in the room, having been in the practice room with World and Olympic, with Pride and WEC and UFC champions, many, many of them, they didn't work harder than anybody else. In fairness, the whole room worked very hard, and they worked very hard. But the hardest worker is a little bit of a broad stroke. I mean, I see some guys get ground down, is what I'm talking about. I will see some guys, the less they train, the better they go out there and perform. Dan Henderson would be an excellent example. And Dan always believed, he always believed he worked harder than everybody else. But I would watch him. I would see him. And then Dan would fly over to Japan and knock somebody out in the first round. Dan ended up with a world title fight in the UFC opposite Anderson Silva. And that was the first time that I saw Dan really with structure buckle down. He brought a cage out to his house. He brought a team in, moved everybody in. What he ate, what he slept, how he was going to train was the first time it was truly structured and truly all around him. And I'm not here to tell you that he didn't beat Anderson. I'm talking about the performance. Dan had better performances. He was one of these guys who the more scattered he appeared to be, the less focus he appeared to be, the better outcome he would get. Again, to stay on the topic of Dan Henderson, Dan retired from the sport of wrestling. Okay, Two-time Olympian, retired from the sport of wrestling. And 10 days before the National Open, some of his friends, Randy Couture, a couple of his friends got a hold of him and talked him into entering the U.S. Open. So he lost just enough weight to make weight with absolutely no workouts and won the U.S. Open, won the national championship. And so it was just one of these times where you realize what makes one guy tick isn't necessarily what makes the other guy tick. And I bring you to this only because as it ties into Eddie, Eddie talking about Connor being hardened. I don't know that Connor has to change a lot of things. I would argue that Connor needs to go back to what it was that got him there in the first place. Now, I don't know what those are. Those are questions internally for Connor to ask himself. But it will be important for Connor to ask himself, what is it I used to do? And you might even write it down. You might even write, how many miles did I run? And about what time of the day did I do it? And how many times a week did I do that? And was I late to practice generally by five or 10 minutes? Or, or was I the first one to practice and I showed up a half hour early? Whatever it is, whatever the recipe was for Connor, we have undeniable evidence that it worked. We know that it worked. So for Connor to return to that, and how hard is that to do? Has he burnt bridges with people? I have no reason to believe that he has. I just know he used to train in Ireland and for this last training camp, went to like Portugal or somewhere equally as bizarre as Portugal for MMA. It was some very bizarre place. I'm going, this doesn't make any kind of sense. Your coach is up the road, your gym is up the road, and your teammates are up the road. I have argued for you guys and maintained for years now, that one of the keys to Stipe Miocic's success is him being a fireman. Because being a fireman is something Stipe respects and he's consistent with. It's one part of his schedule that he never changed. Not for media, not for fame, not for competition, not for preparation. He's going to be in that fire hall. Ready to save somebody's life if that bell goes off. But because of that, it did keep him grounded. It did keep him in the same bed at night. It did keep him on a familiar schedule. Now he can get to the gym 
with the same coaches and the same team. And every now and then, fellas, there's room for shakeup. To each his own, I would never sit back and judge. But I will observe, and I will accurately observe and tell you the guys that are with the same coaches and the same team as when they were climbing the ranks are the guys that go the furthest once they make it to the top. It's the brand new guys. I will tell you what. I have never had anything destroy my team, my own personal team of Team Quest, more than the Ultimate Fighter. I have one teammate to this day that is still my teammate prior to going through that process. And what had happened, one teammate after the next, after the next, and I would never see him again, they would never return to the gym, somebody would grab a hold of him. Right? You don't have access to better people once you have a level of success you have access to a better level of scumbag the people that come to you and want investments or have opportunities or sign here or shake my hand and let's do this will be no different once you have your name out there and notoriety they will just be a better class of scumbag they will have a little bit nicer suit on and a little bit more polished up shoes and their hair is going to be combed a little bit better and they're equally as devious. And I only share that to you because it happened with me and affected me. Affected me. I would see teammates go off to the Ultimate Fighter. Ultimate Fighter is a big secret. Not just the results of what happened, the mere fact that you're even on it. So it took a couple of seasons before myself and the other guys in the room realized when guys were going on vacation for two months, and that was code word for they got selected for the Ultimate Fighter, but it literally took several seasons before we realized that. So they did a great job of keeping it a secret, but was always said they would never come back. Somebody would get a hold of them. Somebody would always tell them what their worth was, how they should be marketed, what their sponsors should be paying. And it was one of these things where they would become so disconnected and not one of my teammates was wrong. Not one of them. Somebody came and told them something that they wanted to be true. And all of us as human beings, we all tend to believe what it is we want to believe. So they just had guys that were slick. They were a little bit more polished. They spent a little bit of time in Hollywood, get a hold of them, grab them, convince them they need to be doing this. And then you have some coach that's doing the same thing. And, oh, hey, that coach you were with, boy, he did a great job in the amateurs. But in the pros, you got to train this way. And all of a sudden, now you're with that coach. And I will just maintain for you that Stipe Miocic is very locked down. And I've always thought that that was one of the keys to a success. Always a reason where Stipe never got heavy, never gained a bunch of weight out of training camp. He never looked different. He's never surrounded by different people. I argue that one of those reasons is because of his commitment to the firehouse. I argue for you that it's a geographical location. Look, a ton of great fighters aren't coming out of Cleveland. You got one great fighter coming out of Cleveland. But if Stipe could go in and do it and make it all the way to the organization, make it to the main card, make it to the main event, make it to a top contender, make it to a championship, why would he ever change that? And I know you guys agree with me. I know you're like, yeah, Chael, of course, Stipe shouldn't change it. But so many other people do. They're not like Stipe. They don't come with a brand of loyalty. They don't come and feel that team effect. I'd have never left my team. Couldn't even imagine leaving my team. But not everybody has that. Somewhere they just didn't get grabbed, and maybe that's the team's fault that they didn't welcome them in and make them feel as though you were a member here. I did feel that way, and I never would have left, but I'm only sharing with you. I can't say because I did it that's the only thing that's the right thing to do. I'm not one of those humans. I'm not one of those guys that go, well, this is what my parents did with me, and I turned out just fine. No, no, no. can learn from everything, the good and the bad, but this is one thing that I will observe, and it's one thing that when I keep seeing this change, I keep seeing the results change. Every time I read about somebody's with a new team or a new camp, or they've got this new system, and there's some catchphrases that if you ever hear, do not ever bet on that guy again. Anybody that ever uses these words, I'm working smarter, not harder, it's over. It's over. That's a phrase that you use to justify your newfound laziness. It's one of those things. And it's one of these things that coaches will do to grab a hold of you. You have the opposite coach as well, by the way. 
Where if you go, oh my God, I got the strength and conditioning coach and he's the greatest in the world, man. We run four miles every day. You will have a new coach come in, make you run five miles and go, well, I guess I'm the better coach. And a lot of fighters will fall for it and go, man, I've never worked harder in my whole life. It's, <laughs> what? I mean, what? What are you talking about? That isn't the job of the coach to just lay out the curriculum. It is the job of the coach to motivate the athlete to get him to do the curriculum. That's where the greats, that's where the Clayton Hires has come in. That's where the Javier Mendez has come in. That's where the Trevor Whitmans come in. They can motivate. Henry Hoof is a fine example. They can motivate the athlete to then get him and go give that extra mile. If you don't have a team like that, yeah, maybe you still are in the forming phase. Maybe you do need to look around so somebody makes you feel that way, makes you feel important, can motivate you. But once you find it, I can't encourage you any clearer. Stick with them. One guy I imagine who might share some of the same feelings Eddie Alvarez has about Conor McGregor, the 155-pound king himself. Khabib has gone from champion to troll in record time. I mean, I, I got to tell you, the things that Khabib is doing on social media to troll the fans, these are normally things that I would love. I mean, these are normally things that I would look at. I look at how many engagements there are, how many likes, how many retweets, and I go, wow, you did a great job. It's just a little bit bizarre because the one thing that Khabib's image and character is based on, and one of the reasons that people love him so much is he is a man of his word. He doesn't play around. Khabib doesn't find this funny. You say you want to fight him? Send me location, right? I mean, this is a Khabibism. Send me location is a Khabibism to the highest of levels. It's right up there with Conor McGregor and who the fook is that guy? Like, it's one of these things that if you're within the vernacular of the space, you know exactly what send me a location means and you know what fook means. And Khabib has now done a photo where he's with Lorenzo Fertitta and he tags Dana and it send me the location. Now, if you're to juxtapose that with Khabib, who is well known as a man of his word, that means he's going to fight. Period. Send me the location, Dana, means I accept the fight. So if Khabib doesn't accept the fight, you see the problem here, right? When a guy leaves the sport, all he's got is his legacy. He has nothing else. He's not going to build anything else. Khabib left intact. Not only with the title, with a beautiful record, with a huge popularity in a certain part of the world, but he also left known as a man of his word. And his word as of today through social media is that he's going to fight. And you can try to run that back all you want. You can try to spin that all that you want. Khabib saying, send me the location means I'm going to fight. But I have a feeling that he's not going to fight. I love the fact that he's trolling. I love anybody that can stay out of the ring and stay in people's headlines. They're doing something very good, but this one's starting to get a little bit confusing. I got multiple questions on it, right? And some of it would be none of my business, but in all fairness, it doesn't mean I don't have a question. Why is he in Las Vegas? If the entire reason that he retired was some kind of a tribute and homage to his family, his mother specifically, and she's in a village in Dagestan, why is he even in Las Vegas? Which, by the way, it seems like he's a lot of places that aren't Dagestan lately. Where in the world is Khabib Nurmagomedov? I'll tell you where he's not. He's not at home. That's where he's not. Between San Jose, multiple trips to Las Vegas, fight, I, I don't even know this guy or know what his schedule is, but I know all the things that I just said to be true. The fame that you get from fighting is a drug. One thing that fighters are doing now, and they're not doing it to be polite. They're doing it because the drug has gone away, which is they're now giving, giving a statement. This is after they lose after they has made a statement. They're not giving a statement as a way of being closure to the match. That's what the referee raising the hand and Bruce Buffer did. They're giving it because that drug that was the match and gave them a high and got them attention is now gone. And I'm sharing this as somebody who went through it. You will be so desperate for post-fight depression is very real. You will be so desperate for post-fight attention that you will then turn to social media as the absolute lowest form of receiving the commodity that is the drug that is fame. And to watch a champion of the world who could headline a pay-per-view, who at once upon a time they built an arena for, I mean, this is a special guy, Khabib. Khabib does not need the fame of the drug of social media. And by the way, he's going to start messing his message up. If little old Chael sitting here in Westland, I don't know Khabib. 
I watch Khabib. I don't know him. But if even I can identify that he's everywhere in the world except for home and staying home and being with X, Y, and Z is the entire thing that is predicated on the retirement, it starts to get a little weird. How many meetings are you going to have? And by the way, have all the meetings that you want. Are you doing them by Skype? Are you doing them by Zoom? Okay, good. Good. The kids are in the backyard. Great. The dog's okay. Mom's upstairs. Why? What are you doing? I don't have to have an answer to this question. I'm not even owed an answer to the question. I'm an observer watching this play out. And I got a guy who's a man of his word and has been from Jump Street, just said he's going to fight. This will be the first time that Khabib's integrity is ever called into question. Khabib said today to Dana White and publicly, I'm going to fight. Don't try to play a game with me on send me the location. Send me the location has a definition with it. It's got an entire history behind it. It's got an entire timeline behind it. It's, it's something that Khabib could trademark for heaven's sakes and win in a court of law. Truly. Truly and literally. He says he's going to fight. He said it today. Not only is he going to fight, just pick the location and send it to me. He says he's ready to go. Now, if I juxtapose that against something he put out earlier in the week, which is him in San Jose, he also said how nice it is to be here, not having to train and not worrying about weight. And that's a head scratcher too, man. God bless him and everything that they've done for the team. Is Khabib the coach of the team or not? I mean, that whole thing is a weird paradox that I don't think anybody will ever, will ever be able to explain. You have a team from Dagestan who does not speak English, who comes over here, sleeps six deep in a hotel room to get training with a coach who doesn't speak the language that they speak. Oh, and by the way, the returning champion of the world, the principal of this story, Khabib himself, is allegedly now their coach? Well, it sounds like now you've got everything that you need. You had a facility built for you in Dagestan, we know that because there's a beautiful tour done and the government helped to fund it, Putin himself, by the way. We now have a coach of the team who inherited from his own father. And you have the members of the team, but they're all getting in a plane and they're all going to San Jose. This is just weird. This doesn't make any level of sense. What do you think they have in San Jose? I mean, this reminds me of the guy that went to Harvard and wants you to be impressed with his education. What, do you think they got some goddamn golden book at Harvard? that I can't go check out at the public library right here in Westland, right? It's one of these very bizarre things. So if a guy retires predicated on the idea of spending time with his family, I don't even know him, and I know he's everywhere in the world but there, it starts to get a little bit weird. And now the troll has put out that he's going to fight. I am holding him to that personally. I will hold him to that standard. When I talk about Khabib behind his back, I say very beautiful things, but I also say that he is a man of his word who's never done anything that he said that he wouldn't do or vice versa. He now said he's going to fight, period. I'm interested to see how this story is going to play out. I'm interested in a champion is now a troll. I'm interested in a guy who could headline pay-per-views is now so incumbent for some kind of attention that he's on Instagram in the first place. But this is what a child does. A child acts out with bad behavior to get some level of attention. The guy that comes out and tells you he's going to retire, he never meant he was going to retire, except for the ones that actually did it in the case. They never meant it. Anybody that goes in the media and talks about this could be my last one, they don't mean it. They're like a child. They want you to come and go, oh, no, but we really need you. Oh, but there's so much for you to do here. I'm all for playing the game. I think he's earned the right, but I give a damn. If I'm going to continue going around talking about this is a man of his word, I'm going to hold him to his word. And Khabib, you just said you're going to fight. There was all sorts of movement in the middleweight division this week. In a moment, I'm going to discuss it. But first, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors. Something that I believe most of my listeners can relate to. It's something that most men don't want to talk about or even admit is happening. Hair loss. Yup, that's right. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. It's unfortunate, but it's true. This can affect self-esteem. It can cause a level of shame, but Uncle Chael is here to share a clinically proven treatment that may help you. Keeps came up with a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair and possibly grow some back. There are two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss and Keeps offers both of them. 
They have a virtual doctor for a consultation and medications delivered straight to your door to keep the process private so you don't have to leave your home and endure the dreaded process of an in-person visit. Treatments start at just 10 bucks per month and it arrives in a discreet packaging. If you are skeptical and this sounds too good to be true, go check out real before and after photos for yourself on their site. They are shocking and exciting. Prevention is key, so be proactive and get on it. Treatments can take about four to six months to see results. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash chael to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash chael to get your first month for free. Keeps.com slash chael. All right, Gaslam is going to fill in for Paulo Costa. Gaslam's going to fight Whitaker. It makes all the sense in the world. It really does. They've got a history there. Kelvin asked for the fight. He's back on track. Boom. Let's get this one figured out that we were promised almost two years ago, but it does make you take a closer look at 185. What Adesanya wants to do is got to be paramount to your strategy if you're a fellow middleweight. Any champion that calls for a fight generally gets it. Champions don't call people out. Champions get called out. Off the top of my head, when I think of a champion calling for a fight, and don't forget this is on the heels of Kamara Usman getting the fight that he just called for. So we've got really good evidence that where the champ wants to go, the champ generally goes, particularly in Adesanya's case, who Adesanya, who fought and defended a belt against Joel Romero, who was not the number one contender. I mean, I just bring for you what Adesanya wants to do has got to be a factor when you sit down with your team and come up with your strategy for how you're going to get a title fight. Great. Because you've got some really interesting options right now. Vittori versus Till comes to mind. Till being the leader of all the middleweights because Adesanya wants Till. Adesanya does not like Till, has not liked him for a period of time. Till spent a good amount of effort getting under Adesanya's skin, and congratulations, it worked. He's there. Now, if you look at the Till Vittori fight, I don't know that that's the one that's going to jump off the chart for you as identifying the next number one contender, but those things change very quickly. Snap of a finger, right? Very, very quickly, and it seems as though We've got three big main events to look forward to that are middleweights that are on display. Of course, you've got the Gaslam versus Whitaker. Of course, you've got the Till versus Vittori. The one I think that you're missing is Brunson specifically versus Holland. Kevin Holland will come in and steal everything from you. If you're a middleweight and you're not factoring him into the equation, this is a guy who was nowhere one year ago and is now a main event. There's no other middleweight with that kind of trajectory, right? If he does what he did last year to this year, if he does that one more time, yes, he's fighting for the championship. If he does 70% of what he did in the last 12 months, he's fighting for a championship. But Holland seems to be the one guy that fellow middleweights are dismissing, at least for the time being. And I don't mean physically. I don't mean that they don't respect that Holland can fight. I think that they're missing... The phenomenon that is Kevin Holland as it pertains to the fan and as it pertains to the media. And what Kevin Holland has done for himself as an undercard. What Kevin Holland has done for himself as a main card. I'm predicting for you is going to be exemplified when he's a main event. Now, Adesanya knows who Holland is. And Adesanya is dismissing Holland. Hey, don't even bring him up. He has not done enough to even be in the conversation. I could name five guys in front of Kevin Holland. That's not helpful. Not when you know one piece that you must have is the blessing of Adesanya. However, it also cannot be taken at face value. Adesanya saying don't bring Holland up cannot be taken at face value. If Adesanya is addressing Holland, even if his goal is to dismiss him because he dislikes him so much, and I mean Adesanya of Holland, Adesanya dislikes him so much that he doesn't want to help to get his name out there and get him any kind of rub, it's still relevant that Adesanya is paying attention. You have to have Izzy's attention. 
Izzy does not go base his fights on who the easy fights are. I mean, this is a guy that was just chasing John Jones. This is a guy that just got out of the cage with Jan Blahovich. Izzy is not looking for easy fights. We all get that. We all understand that. But he is looking for personal grudges, of which I don't know that he has at 185. There seems to be some kind of a, a friction with he and Till. I got that. Till is not guaranteed to be the victor, which would eliminate Till from discussion. He is not guaranteed to be the victor over Vittori. That's a tough night out. I understand that the same is true for Holland versus Brunson. As a matter of fact, Brunson is a plus 285, which means he's almost a 3-1 to favorite to beat Holland. That shocks me. That is a shockingly wide gap to have over a guy who has momentum on his side. Kevin Holland, who fought five times last year. A lot of people don't know this. He did a lot of his finest work on the undercards, but he fought five times in one calendar year. Oh, by the way, he won them all, including a first-round finish of Jacare. You ever beat Jacare, let alone finish Jacare? You were fighting for a championship, but there was something about that where Holland got a nice little bump. He got all the way to a main event against Brunson. Great backstory on how this fight came about. Brunson said something actually complimentary to Holland, sent it to him like on a DM on social media. And it was, it was actually nice. But Holland took it the wrong way. And that's according to Holland. Holland even says, I think he was trying to be nice. I've elected to spin his words and use it as motivation. Okay, good enough. I don't know this Kevin Holland well enough to know what fully makes him tick. I have had two interactions with Kevin Holland. Once I had him on this show... And another time I had to deal with him privately on a phone call about a submission underground match, a short notice match against Rumble Johnson. Rumble, who, by the way, was going about 240 at the time. Kevin Holland, who had fought 48 hours earlier at 185. And the mere fact that Holland did not flinch, I respected it. Oh, by the way, you want to know who else did? Rumble. Because that fight was on for about 24 hours. For about 24 hours, that was the fight that was going to happen. So I had already talked to Rumble, filled him in that Holland took it. And Rumble's like, man, I love this guy. Who is this guy? I love this guy. I'm going to have to go beat him, but I like his attitude. I'm only sharing that with you because when you're getting a compliment from the guys in the industry, not to mention Rumble, who happens to be in a tournament for a world championship right now, not to mention Rumble has fought for world championships multiple times in the past. I mean, that's a big that's a big blessing to a guy that's on an undercard. And I only share with you how much can Holland do if he has a victory over Brunson. It's unknown. We don't know. We know that history tends to repeat itself. We use history as the greatest trajectory for the future. But I feel as though fellow 185-pounders are, are missing the mark here. The biggest fight in terms of X's and O's, what's going to be the hardest, iron on iron, I don't feel is overly close. I feel that goes to Whitaker and Gatslam. That is just going to be a get the stretchers ready. Get the sutures ready. Get the ice bags ready. These guys are going to be in pain at the end of this match. Vittori versus Till is a little bit of a question. Vittori has done everything right. Vittori's going to get in Till's face. Till does a good job with space. And then you have Brunson versus Holland. Holland, who was so proud of the black belt he just received. And Brunson, who was a very excellent wrestler. Not just a very good wrestler. I got to go further. Brunson had a very excellent, it was a very impressive amateur wrestling career. I mean, these things start to cancel each other out and getting the mandate of the masses and getting to push from the media, particularly if you want to get under Adesanya's skin, you've got to have some platform to do it. Holland with a victory. I think you were very unwise to not shifting some of your cannons in that direction. Nobody knew who this guy was a year ago, and now he is headlining a card. I only offer for you, if he can do as much with what he has to work with as he did in the last 12 months, you got a big freaking problem on your hands. And if you're strategizing at middleweight and you think that you've identified the players, that's your first mistake. So speaking of Israel Adesanya, he had some words for John Jones this week. 
Adesanya was talking to Helwani, and he was just giving his thoughts that, in his opinion, no, a fight with him and John Jones is not dead. And Adesanya is completely right. And but there's still a way that you have to go about that, right? As John Jones is dismissing it, dismissing you because you lost, and you're trying to get to John even though you lost. There's just a little bit of a friction. However, Adesanya is the one that's right. And I've heard a lot of other people say Adesanya versus Jones is dead. We as people tend to go to an automatic default when attempting to make a fight, which sounds something like this. Two guys get on a roll, two guys build towards one another, and then all of a sudden the fight happens. There's fights that happen often for other reasons than that natural build, boilerplate, default. Fights happen from negative re They don't just put winners versus winners by policy. They put guys who lose against guys who lose by policy. I mean, just to share for you, there's multiple ways to go get a fight. John Jones slides up to heavyweight and gets stomped out. I mean, he goes up there and gets his ass whipped. All of a sudden, the fight makes a lot more sense. It's two guys that lost. I only offer you that by example. John Jones decides over a period of time he would like to return to light heavyweight. May not have something to do with Adesanya may have something to do with Jan Blahovich, just for example. But if John returns, and as I see it, the biggest thing keeping them apart is not that Adesanya lost to Blahovich, is that John is now a heavyweight and Adesanya is a middleweight. As I see it, the biggest problem, the biggest problem they have is just the weight. So just imagine a scenario where John Jones comes back down to 205. Now, it would not matter how John did, whether he won or lost. If he lost, then obviously you see where nobody's going to complain about him and Adesanya, but Adesanya losing to Blahovich is a very short-term pain. It's an extremely short-term. The next time you see Adesanya, you will be seeing him with a 12-pound gold belt over his shoulder in a marquee fight for a world title. By the way, because that's what he is. He is the world champion. I only bring that to you because it's just a very short term. And I've heard people talk about, and you want to remember these people. You want to remember who they are. Don't come out and judge them. Don't make them feel bad. But remember who they are and don't do a deal with them in the future. If you have somebody who is short fighter, uh, throws their hands up and thinks this fight is gone, where is your creativity? What in a million years would have led you to Blahal Muhammad versus Leon Edwards? And I only bring that to you because it's the most recent match that we have seen. But what would have led you strategically to telling me those two were going to match up? Well, absolutely nothing. I know. I know the answer to that. I know it was a short notice fight. I know that's how that got put together. I know all of these things. But I also know the day that Daniel Cormier took on Anderson Silva, they had 48 hours to put that fight together. 48? That sounds like a mega fight, doesn't it? If you're a new fan or a casual fan, you might not have known that Cormier fought Anderson Silva. So now that I brought that to your attention, don't you go, oh my goodness, that is a mega fight. Cormier's a heavyweight. Anderson Silva was a middleweight. How did they possibly get these two together? Well, Cormier was doing a, a stint down at 205 pounds in between his heavy, heavyweight runs. John Jones popped for steroids the first or second or third time. And it's fight week. So they call up Anderson Silva, who I don't even know is in the country. By the way, got on an airplane and come and did the match. I only share with you, if you think you can't throw together a mega match on short notice, yes, there is a boilerplate. Yes, there is a preference. And yes, it is two winners. And yes, it is a 10-week buildup. And yes, there is a media tour. There's training camps. I get those things. That's a default. Boxing has to go by that. But boxing also does one to two big fights a year. MMA does a, a big fight every single weekend. Every single weekend and sometimes twice. And with the steam that's building around Bellator's Grand Prix, I think you're about to get treated more to the twice. But my point still is, you can't do things perfect when you're doing it every single week. You can't. You now have to do things quickly. So to put some of these mega fights together is absolutely possible. Now, John has to return to 205 as I see it. In my opinion, Izzy versus Johns was always, always problematic at heavyweight. In my opinion. But that fight is far from dead. And the run of John Jones is highly questionable. John's a human being like anybody else. Father Time's going to... I mean, things are going to catch him. I only bring that to you because it's one of these things where don't be close-minded to that idea. And also, don't point your finger at Adesanya and act like he doesn't know what he's doing. 
Adesanya, when I'm not present, is the smartest guy in the room. When it comes to MMA, psychology, and planning and prepping steps ahead for your own career, don't second-guess Adesanya. And if you're going to suffer a disappointment as a fan because you don't think that you're going to get that match, that's only because your mind naturally defaulted to step one. You have a short-term memory on how Leon and Blahal ever got together. By the way, it looks like Leon and Blahal are about to do it again. Just by example. I mean, they're talking about possibly rematching that match. Things happen in this sport. Be ready. Make your call out. Never back down. Never change your mind. And never say sorry. I know a guy that will very much be involved in all of this Jones-Izzy conversation, and that's the light heavyweight champion himself. Jan Blahovich, boy, I gotta give this guy some credit. I mean, what a good job he has done of keeping his name out there. Keeping your name out there is paramount in this space, but it's nearly impossible to do. I mean, right, in all fairness, the way that the news cycle works, you fight, you then have 48 hours. Otherwise, that's old news. You have a 48-hour cycle before they move in to what would then be viewed as the current cycle, also known as the next cycle. That's how it works, right? All sports. It's about what's what's now and what's next. To be able to get yourself any airtime to talk about something that you've already done, very hard to do. Blahovich has a fight coming up with Glover. We don't know the date. So you see where that becomes very tricky to talk about. So you have to get a little bit creative. If you understand that it's the now and next in terms of news and headlines, speculate. And Blahovich is now talking about he might move up to heavyweight after two or three fights. Well, great. That's great to talk about. Not to mention he was smart enough to say after two or three fights because now we can handle the follow-up question, which is, well, who do you think those two or three fights are going to be against? And now it allows him another opportunity to speculate. And these aren't compliments I could have given Blahovich early on in his run. Right after he won the belt, he was making blunders and then he was disappearing because of the blunders. After this last win, I don't think I've seen the guy miss. Everything he says has been great, but it's also been interesting. And that's the key. How do you keep it interesting? Well, you have to know the rules. You have to know your objectives which I'm sharing with you now that sports only go in one direction, right? I was watching SportsCenter the other day. They had football on, but they didn't have Joe Montana, the greatest quarterback of all time. Because it's what's now and what's next. So if you're going to operate within those confines, you have to make sure that you have a message that either has to do with what's now or what's next. And Blahovich has left the door wide open. And I don't even think he was clever enough to do this intentionally. I think it might have been unintentional, but Blahovich, you did it. Either way, you did it. You're still in the headlines and you've got no fight coming up. Blahovich's last three interviews, to put in perspective for you guys, okay, he just beat the UFC's fastest rising star. He just beat arguably the UFC's single greatest talent. None of these headlines that I'm referencing for you had anything to do with his fight with Adesanya. That is how much yesterday's sport is yesterday's news. That is how much it is. But Blahovich is still out there. And he's still talking about things. And I don't love the idea of him moving up to heavyweight. I don't necessarily love the idea of guys even speculate about doing that and doing the whole champ champ thing, right? Champ champ was cool when it was unique. As soon as the whole sport goes in that direction, if you want to be different and unique, refuse to do it. Just to put Khabib into perspective for you. Khabib was very good at saying, this is the toughest division and this is my division. I have no plan to ever leave the division. It frustrated people. It shut the door on it, but it also made Khabib stand out when everybody else is saying what the guy next to him said. It was very cool at a press conference the first time a guy showed up wearing a bow tie and sunglasses. But after he does it, if you go and do it, that's now called gimmick infringement. It's strange. And this sport always seems to run in those ways. I still remember the day that Daniel Cormier coined the phrase, share the octagon. He was specifically talking about Curtis Blades. He specifically paid Curtis a compliment. So, you know, he's a very good fighter. He will never share the octagon with me. And he won't share the octagon because he's not popular. Daniel laid the whole thing out. But the bottom line is he coined the phrase, share the octagon. Everybody's saying it now. I mean, just by one example, everybody starts saying it. I remember the Strike Force event when Robbie Lawler looked at an instant replay after his fight with Scott Smith and said, let's run it back. That is a football term. That is a common term. It was never used in MMA. And ever since the day Robbie said, now you got all these guys saying, well, let's run it back. 
I'll share the octagon with him and he'll and we'll run it back while wearing a bow tie and sunglasses on. St- okay, you got to come up with your own thing. But you have to be very cognizant of this. If you think, as Blahovich, I believe, did, think that you need to dangle and talk about going into a different division to keep alive the hopes that you may someday be a future championship. If everybody else is doing it, you don't need to do it. You don't need to do it at all. And you could do it for a variety of reasons, including putting your own division over. I mean, this would be very low-hanging fruit. This would be very obvious. But you can say, I'm the perennial division, or one of these fat boys can take some weight off and come down here. I'll give them a shot at the title, by example. Or you don't have to touch it at all. It's really got nothing to do with you. What's going on in the heavyweight club really has nothing to do with you. And if you're saying that you're going to leave it and go after heavyweight, then you're insulting your... Why? Why would you leave your own weight? Do you think you're going to get beat? Do you think you're going to clean it out? Do you think the guys here aren't good enough? I mean, right, it's a real, it's one of these things where your words, even unintentional, do have consequences. Words matter. And the meaning of those words matter. And moreover, when somebody like me is going to sit back and try to dissect what you said, but more importantly, why you said it, don't sound like a fool. And I don't suggest for you Blahovich has done it. I'm only sharing with you. Blahovich has done a very good job of understanding the cycle works in this way. What is now and what is next. Blahovich is bringing you what is now and what is next. It's why he's keeping himself in the headlines. And there's a few different shticks where you can do it. Henry Cejudo is doing it just by saying something that catches your eye. Okay, great. He's the only one doing it. Henry's going to continue to succeed. But I am now left in a jeopardy. If we're going to talk Henry Cejudo, I'm now left in a paradox of trying to figure out, is Cejudo, is he serious when he says he's coming back? Is he back? If Henry Cejudo is in fact back, it was the world's quietest re-entry to sport by any world champion in history. I don't feel as though Henry has a lot of misses as of late. That would be the grand slam. That would be the slam dunk. That would be the touchdown of misses. But the only reason people didn't know is they just know if he was serious. I share that with you because if Henry's watching, we do need a little bit of clarity, Henry. If you are in fact back and you're wondering why your phone's not ringing with interviews and people trying to line you up, we don't know if you're back. You said you're back. Some important people believed it. Al Jermaine Sterling believed it. He's now called you out. TJ Dillashaw believed it. He's now called you out. But if you are in fact back, you got to just tell us a little bit better. You got to give us a little bit of a reminder. By the way, how did we get on Cejudo? I'm trying to tell you guys about Blahovich. In a moment, I'm going to give you my official prediction for Brunson versus Holland. But first, I want to tell you about one of our show's favorite sponsors, Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive, tasty, daily nutritional beverage I've ever had. Guys, I live a pretty busy lifestyle, even during the pandemic. I'm grateful. MMA never really slowed down between the podcast, TV, work from my home studio, and on the road, coaching, family life. It's been challenging to maintain healthy nutritional habits. And to be honest, I've never really been a fan of eating my vegetables. I know that's not what you want to hear from Uncle Chael, but it's true. This is where Athletic Greens has helped me and hopefully can help you too. It's a daily all-in-one superfood powder. One scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotics, green superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet, increase our energy, our focus, and help with digestive and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. That's why it works for me. It's hard to remember to take my daily vitamin and get enough veggies to keep old Uncle Chael up and running on all cylinders. Athletic Greens is my one-stop shop. It's simple, easy, and guys, it's delicious. For you athletes out there, this product is NFC certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on the taste. Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system and during these winter months, it's offering my audience only one free year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. 
If you visit my link today, you'll basically never need to buy vitamin D again. So whether you or a family member are looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with athletic greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com chael and join athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com chael and get your one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. You'll basically never need to buy vitamin D again. My official prediction for Brunson versus Holland, I'm taking Holland. Now, guys, I have inundated myself with Kevin Holland over the last five days, and it wasn't even on purpose. I'm scanning the little dirt sheets that I go to. I'm looking around the sights and the elbows and the manias. Kevin Holland's everywhere. I'm going on UFC Fight Pants. They got a highlight reel, kind of the story of Kevin Holland that ties back to organizations. Was it the LFA, the WFA? organizations that I've never seen, that I didn't even know Holland came through. And by the way, he fights very similar. He's a long, lanky guy that will turn to you side stance at some point, and that's a sign for he's going to take his right foot and kick you in the gut with it. But he will do it sideways, and then he will walk away. It's very hard. Most guys that throw a kick are in jeopardy of getting taken down. Holland will throw this kick and then walk the other direction. It's a very bizarre, I don't believe it's a train technique, I think if Holland was out in a street fight 10 years ago, he would probably throw this. Like, I bring that in. I think it's a natural mannerism that he does. But it's very effective, and it's also frustrating, guys, and there's also not much of a follow-up. Now, I'm making a big deal out of a little bit of a sidekick, but as I watched his old fight, this is like a tale of his fights. I saw him do it with Jacques Ray, but his fight with Jacques Ray was one of the first ones where I really paid attention and really watched him. But he's got this thing with this sidekick. He's kicking it right in the breadbasket. But by the way, he's getting a reaction from you and he's defending a little bit different by walking away. I bring that to you because Brunson's key strength is a wrestler. And if you go watch Brunson in MMA, I'm well aware he's an all-around fighter. I'm well aware that he can get things done with kickboxing as well. But his key strength when this started was wrestling. So if you have a guy like Holland and you, you were to fall back to the most basic premise of this sport, that it's a stand-up and it's a ground, and who's going to win more of which one of those realms? I don't know that that's true here with Holland. He's, a, he's very tricky to get down. And you most certainly can do it, but then he's a problem on the ground as well. He's very long. He just got his brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I think his skills are likely better than brown belt. But this is where he's at. But he's got a length, and he knows how to use it. Tony Ferguson would come to mind. When Tony is on bottom, even with a black belt under Eddie Bravo, his jiu-jitsu is not your first thing you have to look for because Eddie, he'll cut you up. He'll start using elbows. He'll trap your head and hit you with so many elbows that you pull away, and that's where he uses to set up his triangle. It's rare and it's effective when a guy will use ground and pound from the bottom. And I just submit for you that Holland is one of these guys. If you come to side control, he'll try to knee you in the ribs. I don't know that I've seen a guy on bottom try to knee the top guy in the ribs until I saw Holland. But when you're doing some of this awkward stuff, when you're elongating a guy, when you're working strikes in with a guillotine, a kimura, even some basics, but he's always offering a threat, you're going to make the wrestler think twice. Brunson is going to go take him down, or at least try to. He might think before he even tries the second one. He might think long and hard before he tries the third one. All of a sudden, you're going to have a different fight than, than you're looking at. And Brunson is a very well-polished athlete. He's very clear in what it is he wants to go out there and do. But I have seen Brunson, and I recognize this because I had the same damn problem. You will get frustrated. If he's trying to do something and it doesn't work, or he gets more resistance than he anticipated he was going to get, even with a certain position, he will get frustrated. And when he gets frustrated, he'll get a little bit wild. He may be dangerous when he's wild, but he's wild nonetheless. He's lost a little bit of his focus. And I can spot it. If he hears me say, oh my goodness, how did Chael know that? Yeah, Brunson, I did it too. I can see it because I did it too. Holland is more playful. 
When you're playful, particularly in championship rounds, when that is your mindset and you are not having the same stress, which leads to the same exhaustion, it turns into a very big benefit. One of the reasons Holland is talking to guys isn't to be a poor sport, and it's not even to get him on the front page of Sports Center. He's talking to guys because that resets his own mind. That reminds him we're being playful. That reminds him we're having a little bit of fun because after all, we are doing a sport, which after all is a game, which after all is supposed to be fun, but not very many guys can have it. And I do want to bring that to you. When, when Holland is talking trash to his opponent, you guys are going to hear it. I don't want you to judge Holland for it. He's going to do it, but it's not poor sportsmanship like some sports where a guy gets picked up over the audio because he was going so hard. Holland is doing this, and it's not even to get into the mind of his opponent. Jacare, just by example, speaks pretty damn good English. But if Jacare spoke no English, Holland's still going to be saying that stuff to him because he's given a message to himself. This is how Holland knows to reset and we're playing. This isn't as dangerous. This isn't as scary. It's a reset button, and he's constantly hitting it. And if you can be playful, particularly in championship rounds, so everybody loves to tell you, right? Fine analysts always like to tell you, who's got more pressure? I think this guy has more pressure. I think the pressure's on them. But they never take the time to explain why it matters. And they don't take the time to explain why it matters because they don't know. The reason pressure matters is pressure creates a stress and stress creates a fatigue faster than if you were in a stress-free environment. And I do think Brunson, for the X's and O's and the ins and outs, is a little bit better than Holland. I think Brunson's ahead of him right now. I think that playfulness, that lack of stress, that lack of fatigue, that's still in there having a good time, that's not going to last forever. Everything becomes a job if you do it enough. But Holland's not there yet. He's still enjoying himself. And I think if you, the audience can understand what he's doing and why he's doing it. It will make it easier for you to come along this journey with Kevin Holland. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening and all the support. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Enjoy Brunson versus Holland tomorrow. I will be back on Wednesday to talk about it all, but until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.